Hey guys, James here. Um, so we have an announcement to make before we start today's show, and that is that we have been offered our own TV show on the BBC, on BBC Two. It's going to be on at the end of May, and we are absolutely delighted. Slash terrified. <laughs> Very terrified. Um, so what's going to happen is we're going to do a pilot uh, very soon and you can get tickets to come and see that if you go to qi.com slash fish events and the podcast you're about to hear is actually another kind of pilot that we did so you'll kind of see that the facts are a little bit newsy but actually we get into the podcast pretty quickly so you might not even notice okay on with the show <laughs> Hello and welcome to No Such Thing as a Fish. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with Anna Chesinski, James Harkin and Andy Murray. And once again, we have gathered around to discuss the most interesting facts we found from last week. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you, James Harkin. Okay, my fact this week is that this week the Queen will celebrate her 669th birthday. <laughs> because she's a lizard. They're all lizards. <laughs> lizards, those famous animals that live for 600 years. <laughs> because she, she's a sponge. She's a very ancient sponge under the sea. So why why the, uh, why the okay? Years? So what this is basically is we all know the Queen has her actual birthday, which is this week, and she also has an official birthday, which is when all the parties are and stuff like that. But she also has official birthdays in all the different Commonwealth countries, and so I went through all of them and found out when the dates <laughs> were. <laughs> And some of them kind of coincide with each other. So this took me quite some time to work out. Um, and I worked out that she um, has had 668 birthdays and her 669th will be this week. Wow. Uh, and actually, there are some countries that used to be in the Commonwealth which aren't anymore. There's a, quite a lot of them and I couldn't really be bothered working them out. <laughs> but I kind of assume the Queen isn't really celebrating those anyway. So, yeah, I'm going for 669. You're saying she could be even older. No, no. <laughs> she could be a thousand. No, no, no. Yeah. She's still the age we think she is. She's just celebrated a lot of birthdays. Okay, got I, it. I worked out that if she is that age, 669 years old, she was Which born... Which she isn't, by the way. <laughs> but it means that if she is, then while all of us are here in 2016, she's actually living in the year 2,592. <laughs> <laughs> And that's very exciting. See, I worked it out the other way, that she was born in 1347. <laughs> I think we're both wrong. Yeah. Um, we're actually recording this on Wednesday, so she's, record she's celebrating it today and tomorrow, which is Thursday, the 21st. Um, today she started celebrating by visiting the Royal Mail uh, and looking at... What, to look for cards coming in? <laughs> Money! <laughs> Yeah, she went to the Romel sorting office and had a look around there. I think. Are you sure she wasn't picking up a parcel? <laughs> yeah, that could be it. No, no, she. Was, I think they had a new stamp out or something like that. She's. And do you know the tweet that she tweeted? Because she tweets, obviously. Does she? Um, yeah. Um, unlike you. For unlike me. 
669 year old queen is more modern than I am um, uh, yeah so she sent a tweet out it's from her Twitter feed which I think is like at British monarchy or something and it showed the people at the Royal Mail singing happy birthday and then it said the first of many renditions of happy birthday for the queen and I thought that was quite cocky <laughs> Yeah. What if that's the only one? She's going to feel like an idiot. <laughs> um, so the Queen is, is 90 uh, in human years and, 600, <laughs> and 669 in Queen years. <laughs> um, but other things uh, that she is as old as in human years, um, television, okay. liquid fuel rockets, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, ah. and the drug PCP. <laughs> And she, I believe, is going to celebrate by combining all four of those <laughs> things. <laughs> does she still send around... She doesn't still send cards to every single 100-year-old, does she? Uh, she well, uh, you, she does, but you have to apply a few weeks before. But you do get yes. a card. And you also get a card from Ian Duncan Smith. <laughs> oh, no, you won't. No, you won't anymore, sorry, because he's just yeah. resigned. But you get a card from the Work and Pension Secretary, so now you'll get one from Stephen Crabb, guys. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> and then a long letter from Ian Duncan Smith saying, you want to hang out? I got nothing on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who takes over if uh, the Queen were to become infirm in some way, but w- without abdicating or anything like that? Um, Ian Duncan Smith? No. <laughs> Michael Gove. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so he is what? he's the Lord Chancellor at the moment and it's I mean the last time it happened was in the 19th century with George III but the Lord I didn't Chancellor... realise Michael Gove was that old so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old lizardy Gove <laughs> no I think what well, is it not that he gets to kind of say that they have to have a regent and the regent will probably be Prince Charles oh I'm not sure yeah. I thought it was that he carries out the royal duties <laughs> <laughs> Gets into bed with Prince Philip. <laughs> oh, come on, Govey. <laughs> oh, there goes the OBE. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going about, uh, sort of little bits of trivia about her this week because of yeah. the birthday. One I really liked, she doesn't have a passport. Because in the British passport, there's a thing saying that she requests that all of uh, anyone holding a British passport be allowed into those countries. So therefore, because she's made the request, it's kind of said, I've requested, but can you get my mates in as well? And so (laughs) she doesn't need to physically carry it. I think it's that, or she needs to hope someone in front of her in the immigration queue has the British passport and she can go just read the name. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm quite confused about this, because she also doesn't have a driving license, famously. She doesn't need to have a driving license, even though she drives. So I don't know... A, how she buys alcohol. (laughs) I think she might just about pass for over 21. (laughs) But B, how does she, when she was walking into those countries, any of us could impersonate the Queen. We could all just put on a wig and say, I'm the Queen, I don't need a passport, let me into your country. They say, oh, do you have a driving license to prove who you are? No, I don't have a driving license, Google it. And (laughs) you're in. Worth a try. Worth a try. (laughs) Although the Queen does muck around with her own identity a bit. So recently, um, one of the former Royal Protection Officers told the the story about, because he worked with her for about 30 years, and she was out for a walk near Balmoral, her estate there, and they bumped into a group of American tourists, and they said, um, they spoke to her, they said, does she live in the area? And she said, well, I've got a house in the area. (laughs) She's very modest. And they said, have you ever met the Queen? And she said, no. 
And then she pointed at the Royal Protection Officer and she said, but he has. <laughs> That's great. Wow. She gets some good gifts, birthday presents and general presents whenever she visits anywhere. Okay. Um, and so they range from, I think last year, a horse breeder called Christina Patino gave her £5,000 worth of stud sperm, of horse sperm, <laughs> so that she could sperm up oh, her sorry, horses. £5,000. <laughs> Pounds worth, not pounds of. Yeah, yeah. There's one tired stallion. (laughs) Maybe I can think of the queen. (laughs) That's two OBEs down. (laughs) It's just Um, you and me now, Andy. Um, did, they, did they actually give her the sperm itself? Because I heard that this lady, Christina Patino, offered to let one of the royal mares visit her stallion, Big Bad Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but she gets quite cumbersome gifts, and I always wonder with this sort of thing how she gets them home. So the, Brazil has given her <laughs> two sloths. She got a Maori canoe when she went to New Zealand. Um, well, you she put the sloths in the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> what, you think she rode home? <laughs> She also got given seven kilos of prawns <laughs> on one occasion. <laughs> oh my god! Um, she already—it's the most boring sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> Queen being sent seven kilos of prawns. I think that's a very fascinating sentence. It's got possibility. Anyway, um, the, uh, the Queen sent an email in 1976. Before... Yeah. Nope, that's the most boring sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> This sledging goes too far. Um, in Malvern. There it is. But that, what did the email say? Do we know? No, I know her username, though. Oh, cool. Oh, no, really? Uh, yeah, uh, Big Bad Bob. No. <laughs> it was HME2, Her Majesty Elizabeth II. And it was an extremely boring email. I think it said, this is Her Majesty the Queen sending an email or something it like did. that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really awesome stuff. Uh, anything else before we move on? She's been to the moon, in a sense. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> when, uh, when Apollo 11 landed on the moon, there were, um, Neil Armstrong took out a special message, left, a congratulatory message saying, well done on getting to the moon, and um, left it there, deliberately. Oh. I think his instructions were to just leave it in a metal canister on the surface of the okay. moon. And the message was from the Queen? Yeah. Okay. That's not going to the moon. It's not like everyone who's got the birthday letter from the Queen says, oh, the Queen came round to my house and I turned 100. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to our next fact. Time for fact number two, and that is Anna Chazinski. Yeah, my fact is that uh, the Brazilian vice president accidentally released his presidential acceptance speech by sending it to the wrong WhatsApp group. (laughs) I should add, so he claims... There's scepticism about this. Um, but, yeah, I don't... So Brazil has been in a bit of turmoil recently, a political turmoil. Um, the president, Dilma Rousseff, uh, has just... Uh, Congress, the lower house in Brazil, has just voted to impeach her. Um, but before they voted to impeach her, the vice president, Michel Temer, was obviously practising his, oh, when she gets kicked out, I, I need to make a speech and I better work out what that's going to be. And he recorded a 15-minute long speech <laughs> and then sent it, he said, intended to send it to one friend and accidentally sent it to the WhatsApp group that must have been just below, which was a whole bunch of MPs and lawyers. (laughs) We've all done it. (laughs) 
But sending a 15-minute speech by audio, that's going to take ages on WhatsApp. That's going to load. Oh, so either he put it down or he spent 15 minutes going, ah, ah! <laughs> Those terrifying 15 moments in politics. <laughs> No, there are theories that uh, this was an intentional move to um, state that he did not feel good about the current president. Um, But, yeah, he says WhatsApp error. So they've just voted, haven't they, the lower house, you said, to to impeach the president. Um, The thing is, the the lower house is also in a bit of turmoil. I didn't realise that that Brazil has quite as big a corruption problem as it does. So (laughs) of the 594 members of the Congress who voted, 60% of them are currently under investigation or facing investigation (laughs) for, and I'm quoting here, serious charges like bribery, electoral fraud, illegal deforestation, kidnapping, and homicide. (laughs) I think, yeah, that's that's Congress and the Senate, the 594. So it's in both houses. So at the moment it's just gone through Congress and there are, yeah, like 303 out of 513. But then as soon as the vote goes to the Senate, an even higher proportion of them are really corrupt. And the three people in line to replace her when she is impeached are all also facing criminal corruption (laughs) charges. (laughs) It's a real good situation out there. It's true. <laughs> and they're all protesting at the moment, aren't they, in Brazil? They are. Um, I read that in the last year, there's been more protesters in Brazil than the entire rest of the world combined. What? Wow. Yeah. It's like literally like three million at a time just complaining. Yeah. That's like... Just complaining. <laughs> just complaining. Uh, the, the Harkin attitude to democracy and the will of the people. I just go out in the streets of my placard and go... <sighs> <laughs> But isn't it the case as well that they had the pro-government protesters and the anti-government protesters and they've just put a big wall in the middle of them? Yes. They've thought, well, what's a good example from the past where a massive wall (laughs) between two groups of people who disagree (laughs) has solved a problem? (laughs) Yeah. Two metres high, right down the middle of the capital city. Wow. Amazing. Um, just, just taking it back to the kind of incompetence of politicians with social media, I, th- I found one that has really good intentions, but it has slightly gone wrong as well. So I don't know if you guys know this, but on Twitter, Sweden, has a, it's a country that has an official Twitter account. Oh, yeah. So it's at Sweden. Um, and so you think, okay, who runs at Sweden? They made the decision that they're going to allow their own members of the public run it one person at a time, one week at a time. So they just hand it over. And so the current person running it is called Isabel. This is her pinned tweet. I don't do fika. I don't do dating. I drink beer and fuck. That is the (laughs) official first tweet you see from Sweden. (laughs) Did you see that as well, that you can ring up Sweden? Has anyone seen this? This is pretty cool, isn't it? Like, they have a phone number, and you can just call up, and they just connect you to a random Swede. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds great. What, so so someone's at home and their phone's ringing, and you just pick it up and... You sign up for it, you sign up for this thing, and then someone from anywhere around the world at any time can just ring you up and say, Hi, is that Sweden? (laughs) And you say, Yeah, I'm into fucking and all... (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever. (laughs) I, I'd sign up for it if it was ring a British person. Would you really? <laughs> Di- dial a Brit. Would yeah. you? Because, like, in the office, you don't really like talking to us. <laughs> no, but I, you notice I constantly stare at my phone looking haunted and alone. <laughs> um, so on politicians and social media... Yep. Um, Jeremy Corbyn has been doing a big social media push and has joined um, Snapchat. I see. 
Which, yeah. Which, which is what exactly, please? And, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure. I think, is it where people send naked photos of themselves to the people they're having affairs with? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure that's exactly what Jeremy Corbyn will be doing with it. But... <laughs> But yeah, it's that one where, yeah, the photo disappears. You yeah, probably yeah. all know that. Um, so he's joined Snapchat and he's posted a few photos. Um, some of his first ones, a few of them were sideways. And um, one of them was extremely blurry. And then most of them are just of him signing forms. Um, but yeah, and he's also joined Instagram. And his first post was of a Tunnock's tea cake. So <laughs> it's, very, it's very exciting, actually. Very exciting stuff going on in Jeremy Corbyn's social media campaign. <laughs> no, it's good to see them embracing it. I think I think it's really cool. But yeah, they do they do get it spectacularly wrong sometimes. Um, on Twitter, there was uh, I thought this is great. There was a Dutch politician. This was back in 2011. I apologise for the rudeness of this in advance. But um, he was he was sending a text which he thought he was sending to a, a lover, and uh, and he accidentally tweeted it. Um, <laughs> and uh, the the, the, uh, at Big Bad Bob. <laughs> so the translation of the tweet roughly goes, as you throbbingly climax for the first time, I feel uh, in my mouth as if they were the nectar of love, right? He didn't lose his job off the tweet, but he did gain 20 new followers. <laughs> so sometimes it works in their favour. <laughs> Uh, just some basic facts about this kind of thing. Um, Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp and that kind of thing is so popular now, a lot more than any other kind of um, ways of communicating. So there are 60 billion messages every day through some kind of messenger. And that's versus 23 billion by text message. And that means in two days there are more messages sent than humans have ever been alive. Whoa. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. It's absolutely massive in Brazil as well, isn't it? That's why it's, this So is, I think yeah. Brazilians send uh, twice, use WhatsApp on... What? I'm just going <laughs> to... None of these briefly... words are familiar to me before today. I'm really struggling. <laughs> she called it snappity chat. <laughs> Brazilians um, use social media even more than I do. Um, they... <laughs> No, they spend twice as much time on social media as Americans, which I would have thought is going over 100% of the time that you're alive. In China as well, ginormous. So they have a version of Twitter out there which is called uh, Sinaweibu. It's it's ginormous. Stephen Hawking joined it uh, just a couple of days ago. He got 2 million followers in 24 hours. Like That's just how quickly and what a massive group you can get. But he had 2 million and 20 after he accidentally... Well, he's, he is sending his tweets in Chinese, and apparently, uh, just from the reports I'm reading, that people are saying, uh, I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> it's in Chinese, but I have no idea what he's saying. Um, but I'd like to just say thanks for being on here. So they, they kind of really appreciate the fact that such a cool guy's on there, <laughs> despite the fact he's making no sense with his tweets. <laughs> the, uh, there is a Chinese, I think it's a Chinese instant messaging app, and I think it's a, a dating app. I'm going off memory here, so I'm, I'm not sure on the details. But if you send a message which says something like do you want to get a room or something like that if you put in particular characters it flashes up with a warning saying you sure about that oh yeah that's amazing (laughs) if only your um, throbbingly nectar man (laughs) had um, had had that Um, so about presidents uh, and stuff like this so um, President Obama is the only person outside HBO who's going to watch Game of Thrones before it goes on air 
Okay. Right. Now we know his real agenda. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a journalist who was called Vanessa Golombevsky who thought, if the president has a file of Game of Thrones, then surely I can get that file through Freedom of Information. And so she's going to President Obama saying, I want this file through Freedom of Information, and they're going to see if they can get it. But the only problem is that the average amount of time to get a file is 121 days. And by that time, we'll have already seen it by about two months. It's the principle. It's the principle, exactly. But it's a nice idea, isn't it? Just on world leaders, I was reading today uh, that uh, Vladimir Putin did a Q&A, a sort of big wide Q&A where anyone could ask questions and I looked through the Q&A they translated it into English and my favorite question was from a 12-year-old girl who asked him who he would save if uh, if these people were drowning the Turkish president or the Ukrainian leader <laughs> who would you save if that was the situation 12-year-old girl <laughs> and Putin said if someone has decided to drown it's probably already impossible to save them anyway <laughs> He did say, oh, but we would lend a help, helping hand to whoever is in need. But that was his first response. <laughs> okay. It is time for fact number three, and that is Andrew Hunter Murray. My fact is that a German city is fighting global terror by banning number plates starting with IS. <laughs> Every little helps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the city of Marburg in Germany, and um, if you want to get a special uh, license plate, um, what's it called? Like a one-off? Personalised. Personalised license plate uh, with IS at the start. You will no longer be allowed to do that, so you'll have to leave Marburg, get it done somewhere else where it's legal, and then go back to Marburg. <laughs> that will cost you petrol, and it slows down. Uh, <laughs> IS. Yeah. I didn't realise that um, licence plates are so strict. Um, so the DVLA is extremely strict about the licence plates that can go out. And so they, they have a meeting every six months, I think, where they go through and work out all the possible combinations that could be construed as rude. And um, so That the sounds one... like a great job, doesn't it? Yeah. So fun. <sighs> yeah. So much imagination required. A lot of them I couldn't quite work out why they would be rude. Um, it's, a, so the, it's a 49-page document, the latest one, and it is very good reading. Um, <laughs> none of it is appropriate for tonight. Um, for instance, there are two-letter combinations that are banned. Uh, two of the two-letter combinations are MN and NF, and I have no idea what the, what, why they're rude. Um, naughty, naughty fisting. <laughs> Could you tell me a kind of fisting that isn't naughty? <laughs> That's a sentence I never thought I'd say today. <laughs> I'm just doing a survey. Could you? Um, but yeah, they go through and they list all the two-letter combinations that are bad, all the three letters that are bad, so you're not allowed on any number plates, C-U-M, C-O-K. I think I'm allowed to say all of this because I'm just spelling it out. Um, C-N-T, and B-N-P. Also, also, you're allowed to say it because you're not a car. <laughs> <laughs> Always shattering my dreams, Andy. <laughs> um, BNP, yeah. I think that's ah. a real slap in the face. If you're a political party, that's not even allowed on number plates. So I wonder if instead of naughty fisting, it's National Front. Could be the National oh. Front. Oh, you see? Okay. <laughs> I think it's naughty fisting, guys. <laughs> No, but there are some which are really sort of... You can't have VA61ANA because it, it looks a bit like... Vagina, right. But to me, that looks like vagiana. So it's a very odd... Sort of the rules are really... Um, you're not allowed to have uh, A11NOB. 
all knob. <laughs> um, which, if you get that number plate, is an accurate description of what you are. <laughs> okay, a lot of so these aren't personalised, though, so don't hold it against... A lot of these are number point. plates that are, would be in the standard rotation, but they have to specifically oh, remove yeah. them, like MA55TBT. Ah. You see? It takes a lot of thought. Oh, yeah. See if you can work out this one. <laughs> Wait, hang on. I, I didn't get that one. Hi, honest, let me show it to you. That's very rude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got... See if you can work out this one. X351ARO. Well, this is great radio. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're playing along at home, you can write it down. Um, <laughs> no, um, so that is... Look at it backwards in mirror writing, and it spells out... Is it oral sex? Ah! <laughs> It's because if you're looking backwards in your car, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they have to test that. They have to test the mirror, mirror writing. That's yeah. smart. So clever. Although the R would be backwards, so it'd be like Russian, yeah. Have you guys heard... <laughs> James is super fun to have a road trip with, by the way. <laughs> there's, um, there's a new app that's out, uh, which is, it seems quite an exciting idea. It's called Plexed, and the idea is that when you're driving, you need to have... So you need to hope this person has the app as well, but you can text their license plate and the text gets through to them. So if someone's driving in front of you, and, you, and this is what they Whoa. kind of think it's made for, it's like someone's driving in front of you and they're doing a really good job, why don't you text them? <laughs> <laughs> but you're not allowed to text while driving. I know, it's, I don't know how the system works, but it, uh, that's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be allowing you to communicate with other drivers to, to tell them good things about their driving. <laughs> I think that's entrapment, legally, isn't it? Is it? Isn't that when you persuade someone to do a crime and then you convict them of that crime? Well, when they, I'm basing when they, this on the Catherine Zeta-Jones film. When they finish their... <laughs> <laughs> but they'll finish their journey and then they'll safely retrieve their phone from the glove compartment where we all put it when we drive. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll turn it on and then they'll get the message saying, yeah. good job. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, um, some comedy about ISIS? Yes. <laughs> That's why everyone came tonight. <laughs> um, so in the news this week, um, there was a guy called Franco Roberti who is Italy's top prosecutor. And he says that stoners who are trying to get um, marijuana legalised are helping the fight against ISIS. Really? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How quickly the stoners turn. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, yes! We'll do it! Okay. Um, the Hello. idea is that um, the Italian mafia and ISIS are working together to kind of bring marijuana over from North Africa into Italy, and they reckon if it was legal, then they wouldn't have that way of making money. Wow. That's good, isn't it? So, uh, on the subject of ISIS, I don't know if there are any Archer fans in the room, but everyone should be one. <laughs> yeah, of the, what, of the Radio the, 4 the show Archers. Opera. Not the Archers. Oh. Archer, the car. Oh my god, I've just lost everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in Archer, this TV series, Archer, it's, yeah. it's about. Uh, yeah. All right, hang on, hang on, but quickly. The Archers? <laughs> it's about the same. Um, the stoner just is cheering at everything. <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. So Baked out of his gorb in the front row. <laughs> You've read those words in a book, Andy. <laughs> Drug language of the streets, fifth edition. <laughs> is this ever gonna... Am I... In Archer... The 
main character Archer and all his colleagues work for a, a company called Isis. It's a bunch of spies called Isis. And in 2014, when things started kicking off a little bit elsewhere, um, then the program makers decided they had to change the name. Um, so Isis, as everyone who watches Archer will know, has been removed from Archer. And actually, there was quite a good episode at the uh, beginning of series. I think it was the first episode of series five or six, where you saw in the background as Mallory was on the phone to Archer, you saw in the background two trucks with Isis's logo disappearing into the sunset. Um, but this created a serious problem because it's a really popular show and they had shed loads of merchandise. <laughs> all of which so is... they just shipped it off to Syria. <laughs> <laughs> You joke, the creator, Adam Reed, said that in a board meeting, he suggested this jokerly and was met with an icy silence. So he should have been here and said... But he also said that um, he complained that I gave my dad one of the ISIS hats and in the end, he had to call me and say, you know, son, I'm not going to be able to wear that hat anymore. I'm getting some weird looks in the hardware store. So I have a, a list of places which have had to change their name, which were called ISIS and have uh, decided that it's not worth it anymore. So there's a mobile banking app. Um, there's a nail salon in Oakland, California, a Danish pudding company, <laughs> a Belgian chocolate firm, and a wife-swapping club in Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> and presumably they were just getting too much confusion from people. <laughs> <laughs> People go there and engage in all sorts of fun and frolics, and they say it's not worth the aggro. Um, so the, there was the, ne- the nail salon in Oakland. They changed their name because people were genuinely making rude comments and rude phone calls saying, I can't believe you guys, you're sickos. <laughs> and the, uh, the, they got some good feedback, though, because one person sent, wrote an online review of, I remind you, a nail salon in California saying, in the last week, ISIS gave me a real nice treatment. Don't know why we are bombing them. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) It is time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that the North Pole is on a head-on collision course with Greenwich, London, (laughs) where we are right now. This has just happened 20 years ago, um, but we've just noticed. It's been going one way. It's been heading towards uh, Canada, the North Pole, and mysteriously, they have no idea why, it's suddenly just flipped. Not, not a complete flip, but it's changed direction, and it is now headed along Greenwich Meridian, so it is heading right here, where we are right now. We no. could be the North Pole in about a lot of millions of years. <laughs> you know they do know why. Do they? Have they worked That's out? That's what they've discovered this week. Is, um... I should have read the article. I... <laughs> So this, to be clear, this isn't the magnetic North Pole, which also moves quite a bit. Um, this is the geographic North Pole. So this is just, uh, the Earth wobbles on its axis because it's not a perfect sphere. It's got kind of lumps and bumps on it and it's got different masses in different places. So if you imagine sort of spinning a sphere around, then it's going to yeah. like, it's like, move around it's a bit. It's as if the Earth is like um, a basketball and you're kind of spinning it on your finger. Exactly. And your finger is where the South Pole would be. And then directly above it is where the North Pole would be. It's exactly like that. And thank you very much for the metaphor, James. Simile. Um, (laughs) And what's happened is they thought at first the reason it was moving was because of the Greenland ice caps melting. But actually, they've been doing this study since 2005. And they've realized that what it is is um, water loss from Eurasia, bizarrely, which sort of changes the masses in the Earth. So a huge mass of water has been lost from India and from Asia. And that's just changed the sort of weighting and the lumps and bumps in the earth and has caused the earth to start spinning a bit differently, start pivoting differently and it's gradually creeping towards
Kansas. Wow. But it, is, it has happened very suddenly, hasn't it? We yeah. should, we should say the speed at which it's moving, which is 17 centimetres a year, which is about the same as hair growth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the funny thing about that is because I remember reading a good few years ago that Russia found the geographical North Pole and put a pole in there at the bottom of the ocean and put a Russian flag on it because the geographic North Pole was kind of disputed between Canada, Denmark, I think, and Russia. And Russia wanted to say, no, it's ours. And they put a flag there, but it's not there anymore. It's like 17 centimetres away from there. <laughs> but still not exactly where they said it was. So. Are they going to send someone, do you think, all the way there to move it? Um, yeah, maybe. Although it's down at the bottom of a very, very cold ocean. So I think maybe not. Um, I discovered a fact this week, which I, I think is really, really interesting, which is in 1985. Did you guys know this? Neil Armstrong went to the North Pole. Did he? Yeah. Did he go in the sense that the Queen went to the moon? Or... <laughs> no. The Queen went, but with a letter from Neil, which he left. No, Neil Armstrong went to the North Pole with Edmund Hillary. Oh. So the first man to reach the top of Everest went with the first man to stand on the moon, and with Steve Fawcett, who was the first person to go round the Earth. How do we not know this? I know. Isn't that really odd? So they flew there. They didn't actually do the trek. They flew there and they landed and they went to the pole and it was with Edmund Hillary's son as well, who's also a big explorer. And then on their way back, um, they were staying in a hut, which was still in icy conditions. And the storms around them, the icy storms were so great that they got stuck in the hut for a number of days. And all they could do was chat. And apparently it was the first time ever that Neil Armstrong completely opened up about his experience on the moon. He'd never done that before to anyone. And so Peter Hillary, who's the son of Edmund Hillary, has the total scoop on what was said because okay. no one else is alive who was there in um, that room. And what, what and? happened? He says, all right. He just said, you know, he's... he's said he left a letter and he uh, came back <laughs> no but isn't that amazing yeah, Neil Armstrong amazing. And, and the person who organised it wanted to bring the people who'd done firsts to the place on earth where, uh, where they'd never been before Aww. okay so it wasn't a big coincidence they didn't all get there and go <laughs> well you went to the moon are you serious no. I went okay no well, um, they uh, had the North Pole Marathon this week did you see oh, yes. that? Yeah. yeah, it was won by a man from Arkansas, and he ran the race in 5 hours 17 minutes, um, but the record is 3 hours 36 minutes, and the reason is because it really, really matters on the conditions. <laughs> 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 like, it's not like the London Marathon where you've got a bit of rain or something that, that makes a difference. It makes a massive difference. Um, they call it the coolest marathon in the world. Uh, and they have polar bear guards all along the route. Wait, hang on. No, yeah. Guards. Wait, wait, wait. Are the guards? <laughs> I see what you're saying here. Eddie. <laughs> uh, it's people guarding against polar bears. Shame. Because <laughs> I would run faster. Help. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I looked into the marathon as well. The first one happened in 2002. It hasn't been going that long, and it only had one participant who was also <laughs> who was also the organizer. <laughs> Yeah, and the entire course is floating on top of, obviously, on 14,000 feet of Arctic Ocean. That's an interesting thing about the ice, which is that um, it might be the last time ever that people ever walk to the North Pole. Or it won't happen that often because the ice is melting and there's not much way to walk there. And even if you are walking to the North Pole, the ice often moves southwards. So you can be walking for days and days and be further away than you were when you started. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. That's That's horrible. Yeah, I read um, there was a guy called Wally Herbert and 
and he was trying to... <laughs> Wally Herbert! That's yeah. two words meaning you're a bit of a div. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Well, he was an amazing explorer. Um, <laughs> so he was trying to prove, um, because there was a lot of dispute about whether or not Peary was the first person. Oh, yeah. um, so he, he was trying to recreate the trip and see if he'd made it there. So the idea is that Robert Peary claimed to have walked over the North Pole, but people kind of not sure whether he did or not. Yeah, they weren't, they weren't sure. So yeah. he, he tried to recreate it. His, his uh, conclusion was that Peary didn't do it, that he did, in fact, okay. doctor the books. But in doing so, uh, Wally Herbert became the first person person to do it um so you obviously have to use compasses and work out where the north pole was um and because of the shift that's going on all the time it's hard to tell so they did this marathon trek this one day and and they got to this point where they thought let's stop and let's see where it is and they realized they'd walked past it they they got to it kept walking didn't bother to check so suddenly they were just like oh my god what are we going to do let's walk back and Wally Herbert said, no, let's not walk back. Let's go to sleep. They went to sleep. And because of the way that it was shifting in the morning, they were back at the spot where the North Pole was. Because oh, they? they worked out the hours of the shift that would happen. So he slept his way to the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say it like that. <laughs> you sound like a bitter rival. <laughs> Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Goodbye.